Come on, that's awesome. Come on, put your hands together for the Word of God. The power to restore, the power to rebuild, the power to heal. It's so cool to be able to hear the Word of God read out loud in a free country. Can someone say good amen to that? You guys can grab your seats, grab them, sit in them, do whatever you want with them. For the next 25 minutes, they are your seats. Just make sure you leave them on the way out today. Uh, Talking about today, uh, tonight we have our summer celebration. And uh, I have this amazing tank top with uh, an an eagle riding a Harley Davidson with an American flag bandana that I pull out once a year. And I'm pulling it out tonight for our summer celebration, 4th of July kind of firework gathering. So at the end of uh, today's gathering, you're gonna hear from a host all about what's happening at your campus. And uh, so make sure you make some time tonight to come on out. Most of our campuses are gonna have fireworks, all right? So like the biggest firework display uh, probably happening in the state of South Carolina today will be happening at most of our New Spring campuses. But just remember tonight, as you see the fireworks go into the air and they explode and light up the night sky in red, white, and blue, reminding you of the independence the freedom that we have here because of the sacrifice of others. Just remember, when you see those fireworks invented in China, (laughs) you're welcome. We're in a series called City of God and it's about the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is a book all about rebuilding, restoration, revival. And it's a good word for us in this season because how many know we are in a season of rebuilding? And uh, there's a lot to be rebuilt because a lot was ruined in 2020. You know, our vacation plans are ruined, (laughs) wedding plans ruined, graduation plans ruined, fitness plans ruined. Man, I was so close to a six pack and then that quarantine got me, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Toilet paper supplies ruined. Businesses ruined, friendships strained, marriages on the rocks, finances hurt. A lot of stuff was ruined in 2020. And as a pastor, it's been especially heartbreaking to see people's faith journeys ruined, or at the very least, put under stress and strain. I know there are people that we all know who about 14 months ago were walking with Jesus, running hard for the glory of God, finding themselves in life-giving rhythms, but 2020 ruined those life-giving rhythms. You look around every single campus right now, and even though it's so cool to worship together again, and it's so cool to see people coming back to church every single week, we see some empty chairs. And we know that those empty chairs about a year and a bit ago were filled with our family and with our friends who at one point were so close to Jesus but now it feels like they're walking in another direction. Many people's faiths have been ruined. I know even for me, being a part of a small group that I led with a couple of other young men over the last couple of years, 2020 ruined that life-giving rhythm and some of these young men who were coming so close to crossing a threshold into purpose and a passionate life, live for the glory of God, 
I've got to confess, are a little off the radar now. A lot of us struggled in our spirituality, our walk with Jesus because of 2020 ruined. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer right now, but if you kind of rewind to March, 20, uh, March 2020, you would have seen incredible momentum here at New Spring Church. And in many ways, that momentum was affected by 2020. If you think back to January 2020, we had just come out of 30 days, of, well, 21 days of prayer, wasn't it? For like 30 days, you know what I'm saying? Getting up five in the morning, that was like a, a little bit of a grind for some, but how many know it was producing incredible fruit in many? And we were praying and we were engaging in church and, 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 and numbers were basically exploding and people were giving and sowing and, and, and we had a marriage conference and it felt like all of heaven's momentum was behind us and we were seeing something that we hadn't seen in many years but then COVID and it felt like everything slowed down and 2020 took its toll and that momentum that we had in many ways was ruined. So here we are as a new spring family and if you're watching online from home or catching this like from another country somewhere, watching throughout the course of the week, here we are all knit together by this common thread. We're all affected in some way, shape or form because of the craziness of 2020 and some beautiful things that we celebrated were really messed with. And we find ourselves asking this question, surrounded by the rubble, where to from here? And if you're asking this question, I've got some good news for you, that our God is the God of the rebuild. He has the power, the capacity, and the inclination to take whatever rubble that is lying on the, that's lying on the ground and turn it into something more beautiful than ever. Come on, our God is the God of the rebuild. Oh, Chip and Joanna ain't got nothing on Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He delights in taking things that have fallen to the ground and building it up afresh in the new for His glory and for our good. And that's what this whole series is about. That's the reason we jump so deeply into the book of Nehemiah. That's the reason we're reading every single word because we believe that as we read the word of God, things get reconstructed in our life. Things get revived in our life. Lost things get restored in our life as we read the word of God. And that's what Nehemiah is all about. That's the reason in week one, Pastor Brad, our lead pastor, launched with an incredible message about how if we could align our passions with his purposes, we would see miraculous power flow in us and through us, and we could partner with God with a miraculous rebuild. What would take a year can be done in a day. What would take a generation could be seen in the next stretch of time if we could align our passions with his purpose. In week number two, we had all of our campus pastors preach. Didn't they do a great job? I was in the Spartanburg campus watching Drew Hankins preaching and he gripped that bat, held it tight, closed his eyes, swung for the fences and caught it out the middle and hit a home run. And I know that happened on every single campus as our faiths were stirred about the rebuild that God wants to engage in with us in every single city that our campuses are in. And then last week, my brother, the Reverend Dr. Bishop Clayton King, talked about how we get to rebuild alongside God and alongside our families. 
it touched my heart this morning, getting to drive to the Anderson campus. I'm getting ready for this message. And to my side on my, is, is my daughter, Caitlin. In the back seat is my son, Josiah. And I'm dropping them off at Kids Spring so they can serve. And I'm out here shaking hands and, and hugging people. And, and we are working side by side. And because a family is working side by side, the kingdom of darkness getting pushed backwards as a kingdom of light, come on, is bursting forth. We get to do this side by side. And God is engaged. Can someone say a good amen to that in a miraculous rebuild? And he's inviting us to partner with him. He could do it by himself. He could speak things into existence again. But for his glory and for our good, he looks at each and every single one of us in the eye and says, I love you so much. You are so precious to me. And I don't wanna do this alone. I invite you to partner with me to do something here at New Spring Church to take it to a place, amen, that it has never been before. But there's gonna be some resistance. As we heard it read, Nehemiah chapter four, there will be resistance to the rebuild. And anyone who's built anything knows that. If you've built a house, (laughs) you know there's gonna be some level of resistance. You're digging out the foundations, oh, we found rock. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to kind of put a house down here, oh, you gotta get a permit for that. You know, you're trying to make a change here, oh, you need some HOA kind of, there's always some kind of physical resistance in our physical build, same deal for spiritual builds. There's going to be resistance. We read all about that in Nehemiah chapter four, but I'm here today to let you know that you don't have to freak out or fret when we see resistance to the rebuild here at New Spring Church but we have a God-given response. And so that's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to read through or basically work through the book of Nehemiah chapter four. I'm gonna highlight some of the resistance that they felt all those years ago, and I'm gonna show you how this resistance is still at play today, but we have a response like they did that can see us break through that resistance and step into more and more of God's best for our lives. Is anyone excited about, come on, going on this journey together? Come on, 11.15, if you're awake, just warm your hands up a little bit because you're gonna get stirred. If you came in here feeling like a three out of 10, you're leaving out here, come on, nine out of 10. And then you're gonna hit some Cracker Barrel, eat some Sunday chicken to take you all the way to a 10. If you came in here this morning feeling all right, you're walking out here feeling some energy, you're feeling some good vibes because I'm telling you now, the Holy Spirit is at work to day. But we're going to see some resistance to the rebuild. I want you to take down notes. If you've got leather-bound journals and pens, pull them out right now. An old mentor of mine used to tell me that a blunt pencil is more effective than a sharp mind in remembering the things that God whispers to you about, all right? I'm not trying to tell you you need to take notes to get into heaven. I'm just saying, why take a chance? All right, so... uh, If you have the New Spring app, You can open that up. Thank God, come on, for our media and our tech team. And I don't even know what kind of people put those things together. I just thank God for them. And you can follow along the notes, iPhones, iPods, iPads, Samsung devices, Blackberries, whatever you got, okay? Pull that out. We're gonna take down some notes today. Point number one, the first kind of resistance we are gonna feel as we partner with God in this miraculous rebuild is cultural resistance the neighbors won't be happy. And you see it here in verses one through to three. Now when Sanballat heard that we 
were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and the burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, another neighbor, and he said, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Here Nehemiah is, an ordinary person just like you and me, called by God with a passion for God and his purposes, now seeing miraculous power released in his life, convincing people to come with him to build side by side the city of God. And they get off to a hot start, just like we've got off to a hot start. Do you know that God's rebuilding something special here? I'm telling you, there are people every single week that I meet who weren't a part of New Spring Church a year ago, come on, who have kind of jumped into our family, usually online, and here they are. Come on, week in, week out. How many know God is rebuilding something beautiful here? Come on. Our service teams, our volunteer teams, people are giving, people are sowing, people are are showing generosity with their time again. God is rebuilding something here, just like God was rebuilding something there, but the neighbors weren't happy. And you've got to understand that if you are committed to building the kingdom of God, culture will resist you. Don't get angry. Don't get frustrated. Don't feel like this is the end of the world. No, it's par for the course because whenever you build a kingdom of light, a world marked by darkness will resist. And that's what's happening here. Sambalat and Tobiah were neighbors. <laughs> like, you know, uh, Nehemiah and his friends are all starting to rebuild this wall and the neighbors come together and just like those two old guys from the Muppets, they're there with some, you know, some feedback. And just letting them know, what are these guys trying to do? We kind of like things the way they are. And even what they're building here, it looks kind of silly. Even if a fox climbs on that wall, it'll crumble down to the ground again. There was smack talk because why? The neighbors weren't happy. And you've got to understand that if you're going to be brave enough and bold enough in this season to say, I want to partner with God with what he's doing here at New Spring Church. Come on, I don't just want to be an attender. I don't just want to roll in every couple of weeks, do a little bit of Jesus karaoke, hear a priestly pep talk, hug and high five someone on the way out. No, I want to be a part of, come on, rebuilding the city of God. Culture will not applaud you. In fact, culture may antagonize you. And I think anyone who's walked with Jesus any period of time has felt that. It's like as soon as you start really getting serious about God, it's amazing how people who would usually leave you alone all of a sudden get in your face. Hey, why are you getting so excited about church stuff again? Hey, 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 why are you giving again? Hey, 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 why why are you kind of hanging out and doing that again? Culture will not applaud you. In fact, culture will antagonize you. Has anyone kind of felt like it's harder than ever to be a Christian here in America? If you couldn't tell from my accent, I wasn't brought up around here. (laughs) Moved here four years ago. But even in the last four years, I've 
personally felt that to, to stand for biblical principles, come on, to uphold uh, my Christian values, it's harder and harder. Even four years ago, when I used to meet someone new, you know, bump into them, like, you know, at a golf course or whatever, when I told them I was a pastor, it felt like there was a kind of like a level of, you know, respect because they heard that I was like, you know, a man of the cloth. But nowadays, it's a 50-50. When someone finds out that I'm a Christian, often, that brings a level of anger and disdain out of them. Don't freak out, don't be surprised. Culture will not applaud us for tearing down idols and making much of Jesus. Don't freak out, respond. And that's what happens here. The response, what does Nehemiah do? You can write this one down. Nehemiah focuses on building the kingdom. There's the response. Nehemiah didn't get into a Twitter battle with Sambalat. Nehemiah didn't post educational videos on Tobiah's Facebook page. In verse six, you know what they did in response to the cultural resistance? So we built the wall. And the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Can you see that? They weren't distracted, they weren't thrown, they didn't find themselves fighting skirmishes over parts of um, a culture that weren't worth winning. No, they focused in on the call on their life, come on, and the task at hand, and they built the wall. How do we respond to an antagonistic, angry, dismissive culture? We build the kingdom. I don't run and hide, I don't, I don't hide, I build the kingdom. Uh, I, I don't get angry and I don't start pointing fingers, I build the kingdom. And that's what we need to double down on in this time because the kingdom of God, his glorious church, is the only vehicle that Jesus said would overcome, come on, a dead and dark culture. It wasn't going to be my ability to argue. It wasn't going to be my ability to tear down, you know, um, cultural norms and make them all look silly and stupid. No, it is my capacity to get behind what the Spirit is doing in the earth right now and to build the only force in this universe that was promised to overcome. The gates of hell would not overcome what God is building, amen, through his church. What's our response to an antagonistic culture? Build the church. You're made to feel silly for what you believe? Build the church. You're freaking out about what's happening in society? Come on, build the church. I have a conversation nearly every couple of days with someone who asks me the question, are you freaking out about what's happening in America? And I often say no because like I'm a one-way flight back to Australia where everything would be chilling on the beach, you know what I'm saying? But, like, but I hear it all the time and I know you feel it. 
I hear people all the time say, I just don't know what's happening to this country. I don't know what kind of future we're giving to our children to steward after we're done. Well, if you're freaking about the future, build the church. You should serve in Kids Spring because our future is out there right now. Come on, if you're freaking out about what our teenagers are growing up in, go, go serve at Fuse because those teenagers are looking for direction and purpose. Come on, right now, and you get to stand as a traffic marshal pointing them in the right direction. Come on, build the church. Don't get angry, don't get spiteful, don't get disconnected, don't get distant, don't bunker down. Come on out, build the church. Point number two, write this one down. Not only are we gonna see cultural resistance, you're gonna see spiritual resistance. Okay, there's gonna be spiritual resistance. You see here in verse eight, and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. This is talking about Sambalat and Tobiah who were physical threats, but they also symbolized spiritual threats because they weren't happy with the worship of God being reestablished in Jerusalem. And you gotta understand that as we begin a rebuild and continue in a rebuild, we are going to face spiritual opposition. The Bible makes it clear that you and I have an enemy. Side note, it's not the people to your left or to your right. Side note, it's not a political party. Side note, it's not a a specific kind of individual who holds a certain kind of bunch of beliefs. No, the enemy that all of us have together is Satan, the devil, the accuser, the murderer, the liar from the beginning. The one that the Bible says prowls around like a lion, not a true lion, because there's only one lion, and that's the lion of Judah, and he's gonna lay a smackdown on this fake lion one day, but he prowls around like a lion. That's the Bible proof that cats are evil, but that's another talk for another day. And he's looking to consume the brethren. He's looking to take us out. And dare I say, he's had a field day over the last 14 months. I tell you the kind of person that I can't stand. I'm putting it on the record right now. Do you have one of those friends who thinks it's it's funny to come up behind you and tap you on the shoulder and then stand to the other side? Who's got one of those friends? Who is that friend? Point them out right now. The distractors. The enemy does that. The devil has been tapping us on the shoulder. We've been looking over here, thinking we need to fight over here, but what the enemy's been trying to do is divide us. But here we're calling it out. We're not freaking, we're not fretting, we're identifying the enemy and we're responding. And you know how we respond? We respond this way, by taking spiritual authority. There is no demon in hell you have to fear because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are given every piece of equipment. We are given every bit of authority to take on the work of the enemy. And it's real, but you don't have to freak out about it. The Bible tells us in the book of James chapter four that you don't have to fear the devil. Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Can you see that? Your power to tear down spiritual strongholds doesn't come from an internal personal power but your position submitted to God. I nearly got into a fight 14 days after moving to America. 
I got invited to a charity golf tournament at a country club that will remain nameless, Pickens. <laughs> and I was to learn that charity golf tournament is code for getting a bunch of guys who don't usually golf to get onto a golf course on a hot day for a whole day and give them unlimited beer and watch the sparks fly, all right? So I'm out here. And I'm out here playing some golf. Jason Moorhead, I think he's in the building right now. He was a much bigger dude back then. He was the one who invited me along. And I met another friend of mine, Jason Embler. So just think of two of the largest human beings you've ever seen. That's the two Jasons. Long story short, we finish the day. We actually win some prizes. We're walking out. And I got a drunk dude come up on me, accusing us of cheating. So I'm angry, so I'm like kind of getting all yappy, come on, come on, come on. And because, because Jason and Jason here, the Twin Towers are right here, I'm like, ah! <laughs> it's amazing how confident you are when you're standing behind big people. <laughs> Everything kind of dies down a little bit, a little bit later on, I'm walking out into the parking lot, you know what happens? The drunk dude follows me out to the parking lot. I think it's on. Like kind of unsanctified, Jackie Chan, Dan is gonna be like flying out. But I ain't that way, I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So you know what I did? I went and found the two Jasons. <laughs> Got my, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to ever fear an attack of the enemy because greater is he and you get to submit to God every single, some people are going, hey, is the enemy at work at the moment? He is. I was having a conversation with one of our worship leaders from Powdersville this week. He, he was asking me about just spiritual warfare and just like kind of stuff that he's been feeling in the unseen realm. I'm saying, bro, you're right. Now, I'm not saying that there is a devil behind every bush. Every issue, every pressure, every pain, there isn't a devil behind every bush. But I am saying, shake a couple of bushes and you'll be surprised at what comes running out. But irrespective of what runs out, you can take spiritual authority as you submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and the promise is he must flee. He's gotta run away. Put on the full armor of God every single day. Come on, a breastplate of righteousness, a helmet of salvation, a belt of truth, shoes of readiness, pick up the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and start swinging and praying. That's what they did here. Can you see that? In verse nine, spiritual attack and we prayed. We prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Do not fear a spiritual or demonic attack. Actually smile a little bit because attack is evidence that we're on the verge of something very valuable. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Thirdly and lastly, you can write this one down. There's going to be some cultural resistance. Heads up, there's gonna be some spiritual resistance. These aren't gonna stop the rebuild, amen? And then there's gonna be some internal resistance. You see here in verse 10, in Judah, or in other words, within the walls, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. There's just too much to do. I'm looking around and it feels like, man, there's such a big job. Why should we even start it? Are we gonna complete it? By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Come on, heads up. 
not only are we gonna see cultural resistance and spiritual resistance, there will be at times internal resistance. Disappointment, doubt, division. We're going to have to face genuine, within the four walls, within the family kind of resistance, but we don't have to freak out or fret again because there is a response here. What's the response? Remember the vision. The answer to discouragement and division is vision. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, verse 14 says, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. In other words, Nehemiah is going, look around right now. Do it on every single campus. Look around right now. See that young person. That's the reason we build. Come on, see that that family that you know hasn't been around church for a long time, but they just came back in the last couple of weeks. That's the reason we build. Come on, see that empty chair that should be filled with your neighbors, who should be filled with your friends, who should be filled with your parents. Come on, who should be filled with your prodigal teenagers. Look at those seats. That's why we build. When you have vision, my friends, it's amazing how the silly things that used to take us out get blown over and we step into greater things for the glory of God, overcoming discouragement and division will be done with greater vision. Why we do this? I've never been as discouraged in my 25 years of ministry as I have been in the last year. I like to be liked. It's painful to have people who are walking with you turn their back on you. I'm here to confess, I I, I don't know about all the the crazy intricacies of all the things happening in society right now, especially as someone who has moved from another country and and I wish I did a better job and, and I find myself now more than ever kind of going, man, it'd just be easier. What else would I do for a living? I don't know. Run like a putt-putt in Myrtle Beach. That sounds like so much fun. (laughs) But I won't let go. I'm not walking away. If it takes my life to build his kingdom, so be it. Because I don't build this church for me. I build this church for Caitlin Leanne and Josiah Leanne and their children one day. If I took you outside right now into the parking lot, right now it's about 92 degrees, 172% humidity, and I gave you a sandbag. I said, Keith, stop filling up this sandbag for me. I didn't tell you why to fill it, I just told you to fill it. How many sandbags in this 172% humidity could you fill? One, because you love me, three. The number would be limited because there's no vision. What if I told you we aren't filling sandbags for no reason, but we're filling sandbags to save your family and your friends? That the storm is coming and the floods will rise and it will wipe out everyone you love if you don't fill up these sandbags. What would happen then? You would fill the sandbags up with crazy passion. You would bleed on the sand. You would do it until you passed out from heat exhaustion. Why? Because there's vision. I don't build this for me. 
I build this because one day I want my daughter, Caitlin, to come to New Spring Church, a life-giving church marked by God's presence here in the state of South Carolina that's been so activated that my daughter, Caitlin, is gonna drop her children off at Kids Spring one day where they're gonna get Jesus on their level. I build this because my son, Josiah, one day, way too soon, is going to drive like I do with his son to fuse on a Wednesday night and I want my son to have an amazing place to drop off my grandson. And after Fuse, they're gonna go to Burger King like we do where we get to buy two bacon cheeseburgers and 10 nuggets for $3.49, including tax. God bless America. <laughs> That's why I build. So look around the room right now. See the next generation amongst us. That's why we put aside our laziness and our apathy. Come on, that's the reason we put aside our biases and our offenses, come on. And that's the reason we pick up a shovel and we build. Not for us, it's for them. Our family, our children, and our children's children. So what would it look like for you to pick up a shovel? I want, a, I want an impressive one. What would it look like? You need a new spring church? Pick up the shovel and go to Connect. Every single week in your campus, in some way, shape, or form, there is a Connect class to help you, what, help you know what we're about, help you know how you're gifted, come on, and how you can pick up a shovel and build something for the glory of God. Come on, pick up a shovel. You volunteered in the past, you checked out in 2020, check back in in 2021. The water is warm, baby. Come on, jump on in. It was so cool being at the Myrtle Beach campus last week and talking to the safety team. These men, jack dudes, look like SEAL Team 6 I'm talking about, but to hear about how they have rebuilt their team one by one by one by one. Come on, join up again. Volunteer, serve, give, invite your friends. I was talking to someone after the first gathering. They said it's been so long since they've invited a friend to church, someone who hasn't been for a long time. I'll give you the line. Just go up to your friend with a massive smile and say, hey, I haven't seen you for a while. Come to church with me and we'll go to Cracker Barrel afterwards and I'll buy you your Sunday chicken. Come on, let's pick up a shovel, amen? Because if I've learned something in my four years of living here, it's this, never underestimate what a bunch of Southerners can achieve when they all grab a shovel together. Come on. <laughs> I'm gonna pray that on every single campus, we're gonna have a pastor or a shepherd. Dare you, mm, double dog dare you, about what it looks like, amen, to pick up a shovel today. Reflect on this question this week. What would picking up a shovel look like for you? We're gonna talk about that in a few moments' time. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, help us pick up a shovel. Amen.